You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the greatest month in the history of months, because we are still doing Bad Movie Month for 2019. We've made you sit through the adventures of Pluto Nash. We made you through that turd pile of shit that was last week, but I'm not even going to say what it is. And this week, we are moving in to the movie that was so bad, it stopped Dr. Zeus movies from being made into live-action movies ever again, at least at the time of recording this. I'll probably change that when his widow dies, unless she's already died, and I don't know. Uh, the Cat in the Hat from 2003. It's the movie that little Jake Lloyd and his friend in Jingle All The Way are so excited that got made, considering how much they love Cat in the Hat and the uh, Minneapolis Santa Parade or whatever the <laughs> hell it was. And, um, yeah, this is going to be an interesting one to talk about. My name is Ben, you snot-nosed son of a wonderful woman who I'm absolutely crazy about. And my name is Colin, and this is kind of like the circus without the tortured animals or drunken clowns that have hepatitis. <laughs> um, Look, I'll be honest, I, I'm surprised I didn't see this movie when it came out, because I, I think <laughs> we all grew up on the Cat in the Hat books. Um, and Dr. Zeus books and all that sort of stuff. And I, I loved the cat in the hat growing up. Um, so I don't know why I didn't go see this. I like Mike Myers, like Austin Powers movies. Like everything about this movie screams a movie I should go and see in 2003. But, um, clearly 16 year old Ben had a brain back then. I don't know. He obviously <laughs> didn't, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't need, my history with this movie is literally watching this before this. And this is a bad movie. It's an odd movie. And it's just, I don't even know how to describe this movie because unlike the movie we did last week, which is trying to be targeted at kids and it's just terrible, the Pluto Nash movie, which doesn't know what it wants to be, this is like a kid's movie with dirty humour in it that then just gets weird and it's it's just odd. It's It's strange. It's bad and strange. And, you know, they talk about The Love Guru being the movie that killed Mike Myers' career. I actually don't mind The Love Guru. That's actually got some Aww. stuff. Well, it's got some elements to it which make sense. Like, it's got really bad humour in it, but at least it makes sense. This movie, like, what? <laughs> How is this cat a thing? Like, <laughs> I don't understand it. Uh, <laughs> the Cat in the Hat. And yeah, I thought you would have seen this movie a long time ago, but you too have only just seen this movie, haven't you? Yeah. Um, and, like, here's the thing. I, I liked... I don't think I didn't love it, but I liked the, you know, Ron Howard Grinch movie they made with Jim Carrey. Uh, and this sort of followed a couple of years after that. You know, it was this Brian Grazer, the same producer, same studio and everything. Uh, they really wanted this to be like The Grinch. Um, if, if I have to figure out why I didn't see this movie, it probably is Mike Myers. I mean, I love Wayne's World. Uh, I love the first Austin Powers. I really was indifferent on the second Austin Powers. And I think by the time the third Austin Powers came out, I was just so done with Mike Myers that I had zero interest in the cat in the hat because of him. And I think that's the main reason I didn't watch it for all these years, despite the fact it was just a known as a bad movie. You should have had some curiosity with that. Um, I don't know. Mike Myers is just – he needs to be very toned down to be funny for me. And when he does stuff like this in The Love Guru, it really just turns me off. Funny enough, this was originally supposed to be Tim Allen. I remember – after the Grinch came out and they were not only talking about Tim Allen would have talked in interviews about, yeah, we're doing the cat in the hat movie. And I think that Tim Allen would have been more suited for this because there's something about this cat. That's just, it's creepy with it being Mike Myers. And I, I don't know, Tim Allen has already proven he can pull off, you know, wearing a ridiculous costume and creating a fun character out of it. Just, uh, uh, this in the love guru. I mean, Mike Myers, you're ashamed to Canada. Get out of my country. I, I keep trying to picture Tim Allen in this role, and I don't know if I can, because I think as much as I love Mike Myers, there's just there's something wrong about him being the cat in the hat, because, again, knowing the books, like, he's not this way. Like, he just feels miscast, and I just don't understand what I'm meant to take from this cat, because are we meant to like this cat? Are we meant to, you know, be yay team cat? Because... In the book, I feel like you kind of are. Like, these cats destroying their house and kind of was all like, whoopsies, but it all becomes good in the end. Whereas this mm. time around, it's kind of just like, can they just not, you know, kill its nine lives or something? I don't know. Like, it's <laughs> it's odd. It's just odd. I don't know what to say about it. It's it's an odd film. And I, I just, I kind of wish Tim Allen did this movie to see what it would be like, because I don't mm. think you get the same movie with Tim Allen in this role. Well... 
I, and I read a little bit today about what Tim Allen was quoted as saying when he was still the one involved in this movie, and, and he was actually involved in writing the script and everything, uh, and ultimately didn't make the movie because of the delay on the Santa Claus 2. We talked about that last year, or more than a year ago now, uh, about how the Santa Claus 2 was shut down at the last minute, and then they did the rewrites, but the movie's delayed for a whole year. That cost him the cat in the hat. But I feel like he got the point of the book, because he said that, like, he was afraid of the cat in the hat when he was a kid. Like, not afraid, but he's like, this is kind of a scary thing. Like, the the creature comes in here, and it destroys everything, and it destroys kids' lives. But there's something wrong with the whole take in this movie where the cat comes in there and is like, hey, kids, want to have fun? And the kids have fun with him. But, like, I always saw the cat in the hat book when I was a kid as, as like, this cat's coming in and terrorizing them. You know, like, the, the kids are the one who are going to get in trouble. Like, the cat's just a troublemaker, but it's okay because it all works out in the end. And even in the second book of the Cat in the Hat book, the kids are like, no, not that cat again. And, like, they missed the entire point of the movie here, whereas the things that I've seen Tim Allen quoting, quoted on with this, it seemed like he was on base with what this story is supposed to be, a cat that comes in and almost ruins these kids' lives, and it's kind of just a practical joke. Instead, this movie's like, no, I'm going to come and teach you kids a lesson. That, that, that doesn't even make sense. Hmm. Poor Tim Allen. The two movies he had to choose from between, The Cat in the Hat and Santa Claus 2. <laughs> oh, he made the right choice. Well, actually, you probably would say I almost agree with you there. I hate the Santa Claus too, <laughs> uh, but like I think, just on these two, yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> but ah, uh, yeah, look, um, we're gonna try and keep this under an hour again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but like it's funny you mentioned the Grinch, like. Huge Jim Carrey fan, probably my favorite actor of all time. And honestly, The Grinch is a movie I don't watch that often because, like, I don't hate The Grinch. I don't love The Grinch. I, I, I don't think I would like The Grinch at all if Jim Carrey wasn't The Grinch. I think he makes the movie, but it's just kind of, I don't know. It's I, I, I guess growing up, I never really was into The Grinch as much as I was like Cat in the Hat and what was it, Red One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, whatever the other one was. Um, so like, yeah, I, I just I'm very indifferent on The Grinch, but. You know, like, I don't even know how to compare these two, really, because they're both Dr. Zeus movies. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I mean, Mike Myers still was kind of a big deal at this point, because, I mean, Goldmember came out the year before, which was the most financially successful of all the Austin Powers movies, even though it's the worst of the three. I still enjoy it for what it is, but it's not the first one. It's not the second one. Um but, I mean, you know, it's not like at this point, because, I mean, you know, he's kind of blacklisted in Hollywood now, old Mike. Um, but I, I, I think this should have been the movie to do it, <laughs> not freaking Love Guru. Um, Alec Baldwin, again, we're kind of connecting the dots here with a few of these bad movies. Sean Hayes, uh, one of my real favourite actors, uh, playing two roles in this movie. John Travolta's wife, Kelly Preston, often mm. confused with Rita Wilson and Maria Shriver. <laughs> um, <laughs> And Dakota Fanning, who, like, look, I've never really been a fan of hers, but, like, she can act, though. Like, she's one of these small children mm-hmm. actors who can be annoying, but she can act. And speaking of the opposite, Spencer Breslin. Oh, I don't, you, are you going to defend him again like you oh. did? Which Santa Claus movie was he in? <laughs> the second and the third. I like him. Oh, I don't. I can't stand him. Um, I did notice that there's uh, the Stinker Bad Movie Awards, which this one uh, couple renamed the Worst Performance by a Child Actor category to the Spencer Breslin Award. So, um, <laughs> I appreciate you, the Stinker's Bad Movie Awards. Um, yeah, I, I think we should just get into this. I don't know what I'm talking about. I watched this movie a couple of days ago, so I don't know if I'm going to understand my notes, but who cares? I don't understand this movie. Um... We have some weird logos, basically. They kind of make the Universal logo and the DreamWorks logo into the cat in the hat, which is kind of cool. It's kind of clever, but uh, maybe the one thing in this movie that is kind of cool and clever. Um, they're in a... What's the name of the town? Whoville? Not Whoville. That's the difference. <laughs> cat in the Hatville. Cat in the Hatville. Um, there's a Humber Flubes real estate. Um, they're trying to get... What does he talk? I've written here, baby leavers leave. They're talking about babysitters. Do they sit on, like, it's weird humor. Um, we've got, we, <laughs> we meet Mr. Humberfloob, Sean Hayes, who, I just love Sean Hayes. I don't know if you're a Will and Grace fan or anything along no. those lines, but, uh, do you, tell me you at least like Sean Hayes, sort of, or, uh, no? He's just, uh, he's one of these guys, like, I don't know, on a level of one to a, 10 he's always at like a 12 you know if he were even at like an 8 or a 9 he might be tolerable it's just he's too much he's like mike myers okay well 
I don't agree. I love Sean Hayes. <laughs> I just love this like interaction where he's, you know, everyone must have hand sanitizer and this guy shakes his hand. I just love the way he's like, you're fired. <laughs> like just the way he says that. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> just laugh already. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> um, so we meet him. We meet, um, I don't even know what her name is. Kelly Preston, Mrs. Travolta. She's all blonde and perfect and looking at pictures of her kids and she needs to go pick up her kids or something. Which I, I don't understand the day this is set because she leaves the office but then has to come back. Is this meant to be on a Saturday <laughs> or something? I, I don't know. Um, we find that the, there's a narrator saying that lawns are mowed twice a day. It's like the most anally perfect town in the world. Um, we meet Dakota Fanning who's writing a to-do list to make a to-do list. And then Spencer Breslin being his annoying little self, just destroying things for the sake of doing it. He's doing stair luge. He goes outside. His mum shows up. Uh, Alec Baldwin shows up. <laughs> Who's, uh, he looks very young in this movie. Um, good looking guy, Alec Baldwin in this film. <laughs> um, and he's dating Mrs. Travolta. And, but he hates the kid. Well, he hates, uh, Spencer Breslin. I'm, I'm with you, Alec Baldwin. See, I'm kind of like, I'm on team Alec Baldwin in this movie in a weird way. <laughs> Cause like, I mean, yeah, he wants to send off the kid to military school, but fair enough. He's a little shit. Um, yes. Outside of that, what else does he do wrong? Like he catches him in the act and he's trying to tell them like, Hey, this giant cat destroyed your house and I'm covered in purple. Like I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. Um, so she's got to go back into the office. He goes off at the kids. Um, I'm just trying to read. I don't get. I, just, I don't understand my notes here. Oh, they ring up Mrs. Quan to babysit. Uh, um, I've written no chewing tobacco. I don't understand. That. What? Oh, that's when she when um she's like saying to Spencer Breslin like don't do this, don't do that, and uh little Dakota Fanning's like oh for once I wish you would give me a rule not to break, and she's like right um no chewing tobacco, and she's like okay no chewing tobacco. <laughs> There's just some random things which are just like I again I keep saying this I think like this movie has some moments you laugh at, um it's still not making a good movie it's just you know maybe I've just got dumb humor in me. Um, Mrs. Quan makes him watch Taiwanese Parliament. They're all punching each other up. Um, then they find a cat all of a sudden shows up. <laughs> the cat and the hat showed up. I mean, like, again, it's kind of like the Emoji movie. Like, is there any plot to this? Like, why does this cat just show up? Where did it come from? Uh, <laughs> does he just show up to random kids' houses because he can? Um... I do like the bit when they're kind of hiding under the bed and the cat's next to him and he's kind of like, this is the part where you run and scream and they run and scream. Um, he surfs downstairs. Um, he hangs the babysitter in the closet. There's a, like one of the many weird adult humor bits of this movie when he sees a picture of their mum and he unfolds it like a porno magazine and he's all like, hubba hubba. And the kids are right there. So like, is she meant to be naked in this picture and the kids can see like, like the naked mum? <laughs> He does see it. He does, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, what else is happening here? Um, <laughs> this is, I've written here on my notes because Mallory has literally turned to me around about this point and gone, this is terrible. Um, she actually <laughs> stopped watching this movie to go clean the bathroom. She legitimately at one point was like, oh, really should go clean the bathroom. The toilet really needs cleaning. Okay, bye. Um, <laughs> um he's, dancing in some weird clothes. The fish starts talking at Sean Hayes as well. Um, he calls the fish Shamu, and they've got to sign a contract about misbehaving. And I'm missing so much here, but like seriously, the cat showed up, the babysitter's in the closet, and he's about to go up to mischief. What more do I need to say? <laughs> oh, this Okay, nobody can accuse this movie of not having a lot going on. Because, yes. I mean, you covered a lot there, <laughs> and yet I've got, like, 16 notes of what you missed up. <laughs> this is, movie's just it's it's absurd uh and and none of it really ties together it's just, i mean i i get the cat in the hat is just supposed to be like crazy and everything but like there really is no story whatsoever here it's just one antic after the other and the pacing is all weird with this movie because some of these gags will go on for 60 seconds and then someone will go for five minutes like there's the part where he's you know jacking up the couch and uh operating on like like it's 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 a car and it goes on forever 
And then there's other things that are just like blinking. You miss it, like him surfing down the stairs. Um, what stuff do we miss here? Uh, I do like the names they come up with. Like the guy that gets fired, his name is Jim, Jim McFlinnigan, which mm-hmm. I just I wish I had the name Jim McFlinnigan. <laughs> if there's a Jim McFlinnigan out there, uh, tweet us or something because we want to know. We'll, we'll give you an autographed poster of the Oz <laughs> Network if your name is Jim McFlinnigan and you're listening to this. Uh, the fact they made these two kids so polar opposite. Like there are ideas in this movie that they just never went anywhere with like the idea that the little girl is the exact opposite little but the little boy is a complete nightmare you know and how they illustrate this he basically empties out his cupboards and makes himself a bodysuit made of marshmallows and bread he stuffs a loaf of bread down his crotch and then pulls a piece of bread out of his crotch and eats it right before he goes down the stairs there's weird Home Alone ripoffs in this movie, like the fact that he toboggans down the stairs. How he's able to make a cornice, because this is a winding staircase. <laughs> and he's going down on a toboggan, and he can actually make the corners. It makes no sense. He flies out the door. He has an argument with his mom, to which he says, I wish I had a different mom. She says, well, I wish that too. And I don't know whether she's saying she wishes she that he had a different mom, or if she had a different mom. It's one of these like bad comebacks, where it's like, wait, did that make any sense? Um... Clint Howard's there? <laughs> like, this isn't even Ron Howard making this movie. Why is Clint Howard in some really brief cameo? Uh, the little girl making her to-do list, this was kind of funny. When she's like, uh, to-do list, number one, make to-do list. Number two, work on my coloring. Number three, research grad school. Number four, be spontaneous. Uh, slightly humorous. Um, Alec Baldwin with his sparkling teeth. I mean, what what I really find disgusting is that... Alec Baldwin, we talked about this two weeks ago. Like, he basically swore off Pluto Nash. I don't even want my name on that movie. Like, I'm so ashamed of this movie. He's in it for, like, 45 seconds, and he's that ashamed. Like, I don't want my name in the movie. He makes the cat in the hat. He's basically the adult with the most amount of screen time outside of Mike Myers in this movie. He's one of the main characters of the movie, and Alec Baldwin has defended this movie. What is wrong with you, Alec Baldwin? (laughs) No wonder he's yelling like, at his daughter all the time. He's just angry that he has stupid decisions. Oh, uh, it's just it's it's just wrong. Like, be ashamed of this, not Pluto Nash. Pluto Nash was bad, but not that bad. <laughs> um, the way they introduced the cat in the hat, like, I feel like this should have been a bigger deal because the kids have this reaction, like, ah, there's a giant talking cat. Uh, and then they just seem okay with it. And what gets even weirder throughout the movie is that other characters will see the cat now and be like. Like, sometimes they're like, huh, Alec Baldwin's like, there's a giant talking cat. And then there's the other scene where they're going to the, where he's trying to stop Alec Baldwin from going to the mom's work. And they're just out on the street, and there are people who will walk past Mike Myers, look at him, and then just keep walking. <laughs> but yet, then there's other characters like, there's a giant cat, I swear. Like, no, there's no consistency in this movie with characters responding to this cat, which should be, there's a giant talking cat that looks a lot like Austin Powers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of the things they create in this world kind of like you know the, the the ron howard grinch movie that jim carrey did again not a great movie it's, it's a movie that where they took the wrong approach with the story in different areas but like visually it looked cool it looked like a dr seuss i don't agree with the decision to make the characters in the grinch movie look like they did in the book it's like we put these weird prosthetics on people's faces just because so if you ever make a live-action Simpsons movie, are you going to dye everybody's skin yellow? You don't need to do that. This movie at least made them regular people, um, but it still had that Dr. Seuss look to the world, which was okay. And then having little things like the mom vacuuming the boy uh, with a vacuum cleaner, like vacuuming his clothes off instead of actually making him change clothes. Uh, let's just talk about some of the inappropriate stuff in here. Uh I mean, you said you can get a bit of a laugh out of it as an adult if it wasn't for the fact that you're watching a kid's movie. I mean, it's uh, – this is going to be a weird comparison, but it's almost like if you're watching the Disney Channel and you suddenly see a nipple slip, you know? <laughs> That's the only reason why like, I watch the Disney Channel. Come on. <laughs> There's Simba's nipple. <laughs> but it's just like – you know, it's it, okay. Maybe you can get some enjoyment out of it as an adult, but it's like it's wrong because it's a kids movie. Like I, uh, so I don't really like a lot of that humor. There are a couple ones that I thought were kind of funny and clever, but you have to. It, Toy Story. I remember when Toy Story first came out. I had a friend who uh, saw Toy Story, and he told me, uh, you know, there's a lot of jokes in it that like adults get would get. Like we were like 
teenagers maybe at the time like uh, we would have understood it's like you know the older people get but all the five-year-old kids are laughing like they got it and it was just he was trying to wrap his head around the fact that they made a movie where there was humor that were, was made for adults but it's in a kid's movie but it's like it's appropriate in those movies it makes sense in those movies here it never feels like it makes sense because when they're doing the dumb kids things like when mike myers has one of two songs in the movie either make this movie a musical or don't don't make mike myers sing a song that lasts for a few seconds when it's not even a musical but you do things like that and it's clearly intended for kids and then he'll have this weird moment like where um, he goes, son of a, and then boo, and you have like the poster that says like, hang in there with a cat. I loved it, that, that was funny. No, again, it's funny, but like, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's such a weird change in tone, and we'll get into this with a book of Henry next week, just like these tonal shifts that make no sense. And it would either be funny if the entire movie had like the adult, you just make a cat in a hat movie for adults. Like, they did that, um, um, uh, what was the, not, not like it was a kid's thing, but when they, they made, um, the movie out of like the uh starskin hutch movie or the dukes of hazard movies right they're like we're not going to make these for anybody other than like adults like these are going to be r-rated comedies for things that were originally pg you know Mm -hmm. just do that don't go out of your way to make a kid's joke and then make an adult joke uh mike myers looks terrifying in this movie i don't know what else to say (laughs) (laughs) um and i don't know if i missed anything i'm sure we'll get to it later Eh, there's nothing really important. He's a cat in a hat, and he's terrorizing these kids. And Annie watching Taiwanese Parliament. Yeah, yep, that's funny uh-huh. because Taiwanese <laughs> people bash each other. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, you said the couch bit that happens about here. Um, they're bouncing on the couch. Um. Alec Baldwin sneaks in. Um, he has bread and beer, and all of a sudden, he undoes his like shirt, and his fat belly walk pops out. I don't get why that's funny. Oh no, I'm not after that bit yet. He's scratching his fur, and Alec Baldwin's sneezing. Uh, <laughs> yep. Which is one of the gags that goes on for five minutes. <laughs> Which I think this is, is this is where they're doing that cooking thing, isn't it? <laughs> Like, I did laugh at a few things. I just, like, it's, it is so dumb, it's not funny, but the bit when he, like, turns around and says, like, you're not just wrong, you're stupid, and you're ugly, yeah. like your mother. <laughs> it's, it's so childish and dumb, but I just laughed at it, and I did, like, crack up laughing when it's like, son of a beep, and it's like, dit, 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 hang in there. But again, you're right, like, it makes no sense. Um, and then all the mess goes everywhere. And this is the part I remember from the book because they get the mother's dress to clean it all up. And, you know, it, it's wrong because this is a dress. He puts on a dress. And he's like, look, I'm a girl. That joke doesn't age very well. Um, <laughs> he, he gets a box out and we meet thing one and thing two voiced by Dan. <laughs> Did you know that these two things are voiced by Homer Simpson himself? Dan Cat, Dan Catsilla. Like, I, I did not believe it, but then his name appeared in the credits and I'm like, what? And it is. Wait a second. I, I could have sworn I heard Patrick Stewart and Christina Aguilera's voices. <laughs> How do you say it? Dan Castellanata, isn't it? I'm saying it wrong. Yeah. But, um, like, Homer Simpson voices these things that just literally go... <laughs> it's kind of like, um, the, the famous one in the South Park movie where, no, not the South Park, there was an episode of South Park where George Clooney voiced the dog, the gay dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he literally went, bark, bark! And that's yeah. George Clooney. <laughs> um, which is hilarious that Matt Stone and Trey Parker get celebrities into voice, like, inanimate objects, basically, <laughs> in their shows. Like, that's clever. This, Homer Simpson himself, are the things, um, who come out and then they just start destroying everything. Um, they find out that, these things only do the opposite thing and nobody at this point catches on that, hey, maybe we should tell them to do the opposite. Like, this is the thing he later on realises. <laughs> like, the, hey, if I tell them not to do this, they'll do it. Um, we learn about this box that, oh, don't touch the box, you'll transport me into my world and it's got Made in the Philippines on it. Ah, hilarious. Uh, <laughs> the, the I've written here, things give made brain damage. Uh, <laughs> They're basically, like, getting this woman out and throwing her everywhere. Um, they then throw the dog out the window, which essentially is like, oh, no, not the dog. So they've got to chase the dog out the window. So they've got to call the mum to get the dog. 
Um, is this a bit where uh, the cat's basically like, oh, I've got three three plans. One, two, and three murder. Yeah. Did I say murder? <laughs> like... No, it was like, um, his first plan was like, you know, do this to get the dog back. The second plan was ditch the kids and leave them, you know, uh, uh, on their own. And the third plan was to say, is it okay if we go with plan number two? Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, there, there's just, again, it just makes no sense. But I, this is why I like Mike Myers, though. I kind of like his humor when he kind of does these random things and will say one thing, like, oh, did I mean that? No. Like, you know, and I guess it's kind of like what we were talking about the other week with like, say, Adam Sandler. Like, you like his humor or you don't. So, like, he will annoy you. And, like, for you, who maybe gets annoyed at sort of Mike Myers' humour, I can see why it's not funny, but maybe that's why I appreciate the Love Guru, because it's dumb, it's stupid humour, but I laugh at it, because I'm dumb and stupid. Uh, so, I like Die Another Day. Um, this is where Alec Baldwin is fat and he's picking his teeth, and there's a plotline of the Repo Men taking away his TV. Like, what? What's this got to do with anything? Like, I don't understand why we need to have a side plot of Alec Baldwin actually fat and he can't pay his bills to take the TV away. Like, and like makes sense. It's an it's another example of somewhere where I think they were trying to go somewhere with this movie and then just said, nah, nobody really cares about that. Why does he want to marry this woman? Mm. What, because he's poor all of a sudden and he's getting all the stuff repossessed? That might make sense if you actually bothered to follow up on that in the movie but he's living in this mansion driving a sports car and his tiny tv which looks like it's from the 1950s gets repossessed sell your car and how (laughs) is the car not repossessed exactly like does he only owe like 100 bucks i will take the tv like he paid he paid for the house and the car in cash and put his tv on credit (laughs) um meanwhile the kids are still trying to find the dog and we, I, again, random Mike Myers humor that I like is kind of when you hear this, like, dun, 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 like sneaking music and he's plucking his whiskers. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's dumb, but I find yeah, it that, funny. Yeah, that was a little bit clever, I guess. And I, I do like the bit again when he jumps over the fence and he picks up the hoe and he's like, dirty hoe. And he just kind of looks. Oh. <laughs> it's so inappropriate, but it's just, I don't know why I laugh so hard at that bit. Um, and again, like another side plot, poor old little, um, Dakota Fanning is such a control freak. She has no friends. So she discovers that little Annie or whoever it is, is Denise is having a party without her. Oh, I wonder why I wasn't invited. And we're meant to feel sorry for her, but then they just kind of skim over it because the cat's going to get bashed up like a pinata. Oh, ha! <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. And then there's like the weirdness of when the cat's getting beat up. That he has like a flashback of easy like Sunday morning. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. And, and he's sitting a... there in a dress with a bonnet on. And then all of a sudden, like, the kids decide, oh, we'll throw some candy to distract the kids, the fact that they're a little bit freaked out right now, <laughs> which distracts them. And again, little Dakota Fanning all of a sudden doesn't care that little Denise hasn't invited her to the party. Let's forget about that plot. Um, and then next minute, Mrs. Travolta rings up Mrs. Kwan, who has the weirdest narcolepsy because she wakes up when the phone rings, but doesn't when she's getting like bashed up by the two Homer Simpson things. And he's basically like, oh, no, these kids are being little angels right now because the things are dressed up as the children. Um, the crate is open. Alec Baldwin steals the dog. Um, there's an acronym for like a car, which they then turn around and say, oh, actually it was S-H-I-T. Um, the siren is the fish. Uh, again, like, literally, these are my notes, and this is what it makes sense in this movie. Um, <laughs> there's a line of, can't believe you whizzed on my taco, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and when they're driving in the, uh, the city, another kind of laugh out loud bit is when they're, like, crashing, and all of a sudden, he's like, oh, look, a Rhode Island license plate. You never see those. <laughs> like, I did laugh at that. Why does he have, like, a Barbara Streisand accent? Like, why is he from, like, Queens or something well, like that? have you, uh, it's funny, because I was trying to pinpoint it, but, and I, as I'm trashing, you know, Mike Myers and everything, saying he's too much, like, I should mention, everything up until, the, uh, up to Austin Powers 1, I love. Uh, so, like, Wayne's World 1 and 2, I love. But, like, especially when he was on Saturday Night Live, he had a character, which was, it was called uh, Coffee Talk. He was, like, uh, this New York Jewish lady who was obsessed with Barbara Streisand, and it was just a, t- a talk show where you get, like, listeners. It was supposed to be, like, a public ac- access show, kind of like, 
you know, the female version of Wayne's World or whatever, like the middle-aged New York Jewish ladies Wayne's World. Uh, and he was basically doing that for the entire movie. I've never seen that. I I think before Austin Powers, I don't think I'd seen Wayne's World, but then I watched Wayne's World. I saw, um, oh, what was the one he did? It was like My Babysitter's a Murderer or something like that. Oh, uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer. So I Married an Axe, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Babysitter one, that's the Sylvester Sloan one that I'm thinking. No, hang on. Oh, that was Don't Stop My Mum That's My Babysitter's a Vampire, famous Canadian show. <laughs> there's there's another movie. It's like Don't Tell Mum the Babysitter's Dead. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, about. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that then, and Stop and My Mum Will Shoot. Yeah, because I remember as a five-year-old in being in Sydney, going to my only ever drive-in, and the double feature was Don't Tell Mum the Babysitter's Dead and Stop or My Mum Will Shoot. Um, <laughs> can, can we do a, hey, what's that movie month where it's just <laughs> Don't Tell Mum the Babysitter's Dead, Stop or My Mum Will Shoot, so on? <laughs> And so I married an axe murderer. Um, I actually <laughs> yes. like that movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I, you know, again, Mike Myers is like Eddie Murphy though. He always has to play multiple characters, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, which does he play multiple characters in this movie though? Oh yeah. He does. Yeah. I'll pinpoint it. You missed, oh. you missed it. It's one of the 16 things you missed. <laughs> oh, fuck it. Whatever. <laughs> there's like 20,000 things I'm missing this because there's just so much going on. It makes no sense. Um, they're in the city. He dresses up as a hippie to distract Alec Baldwin, so they steal the dog. Then, I again, it feels very relevant in 2019 when he turns around and he's like, uh, I don't like the term dog. I prefer canine American. Uh, <laughs> they, jump, they jump down a telephone box to go into a party where Paris Hilton's there. And then they go upstairs. <laughs> again, this movie's dated the fact that Paris Hilton is a thing. Uh, <laughs> Um, he says he doesn't have his own hat and that it's like, uh, and this turns out to be a fake out because later on it's going to be his real hat. Uh, maybe I'll just stop it here because I can probably conclude it in the next scene. I don't oh, know yeah. what is happening. Like legitimately, this is a hard movie to recap because it's like, there's no plot. Like we talked about Pluto Nash not having a plot. Emoji maybe not having a plot. This has no plot. Like they're not even trying. A cat showed up. He's messy, the dog's gone missing, and Paris Hilton's there. The correction, this movie has a plot. It's just we can't pinpoint which plot it is. <laughs> is the plot Alec Baldwin's trying to get with the mom because he's poor? Is the plot the kids need to learn how to, you know, be a little bit more like the other kid? Is the plot Sally didn't get invited to a birthday party because she's lonely is the plot. The cat in the hat came into the world, so don't open the crate is the plot. You know, the the things are stalling the mom for Like, there are so many things going on in this movie. And you keep thinking every time one of these things comes up, oh, this is what the movie's about. And then it doesn't end up being about anything. <laughs> it's I just like weird. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like Bad Movie Month on the Oz <laughs> Network. Uh, so the multiple characters he plays, I mean, the cat will take on different personas, but it's the scene you mentioned, which is the, uh, the one where he ends up cutting off his tail, the, uh, welcome to, wow, isn't that amazing? Like the uh, infomercial? Yeah. Where yeah, he's yeah. playing the infomercial and he's also playing the cat in the infomercial and he's playing himself watching it. So he's literally yeah. doing three characters. Yeah. All that are technically the same character in the same scene. Uh, that scene, there were some funny moments, but again, it was like, Maybe the only reason I think that scene's kind of funny is because it's the only scene where they're not trying to do here's a kid's joke, here's an adult joke. The entire sequence is for adults because you have the son of a hang in there poster uh, (laughs) and then you have the thing where he keeps going back and forth, I will murder you, you know, which is really dark for a kid's movie. And then him cutting off his own tail, which just I don't understand the purpose of that. It was a slightly amusing sequence, although way too inappropriate for kids. Um uh, there's a lot of murder jokes in that as well, along with the mom jokes also. Uh, the things are just weird because they look like they're coming out of the Jim Carrey Grinch movie. This is what the Who's looked like. But what are they supposed to be? I mean, I get that they're in the book and everything, but they just sort of drop in here. And the reason I think that they fit in the book is because the book's like, what, 15 pages. Mm. Here they're in one sequence and they're gone and then they come back again as the police officers where they're just choking on a piece of paper for the entire time. <laughs> uh, and the the whole sequence where they go into the city where it's like, I'm taking the dog to your mom. What is him taking the dog to the mom accomplishing? Like is this the kids lost the dog so now you're going to send him to military school? They're trying to stop him from taking the dog to the mom. For what reason? What does this accomplish? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I, I was hoping. I, I, I don't understand. have an answer. I really don't. 
<laughs> I mean, if it's and that simple, the- why hasn't he done it before? Why is he only just doing it now? And then we get the car chase where the cat drives his car, which, again, nobody seems to think there's anything odd about this vehicle. <laughs> and he somehow catches up to them, despite the fact this thing is going about 20 kilometers an hour. And Alec Baldwin's in a sports car. Uh, but when they get to the city, this is like, – do you remember the, the Grinch movie very well? Oh, I think I saw it around Christmas last year again for the second time. So, yeah, hit me with it. So when they stuck to the Grinch story, it was okay. But the entire middle section of the movie has this weird subplot where the Grinch is invited to a Christmas fair mm. where they make like, – voted the king. And it was all just a practical joke. It was like the Stephen yeah. King story, Carrie. And it just didn't fit with the rest of the movie. And that's the part I'll always fast forward and skip. That's what this middle section is like. Like, can't you just make a Dr. Seuss movie and elaborate a little bit in all the scenes? Don't create a middle section of the movie that doesn't belong with the rest of the movie. Like this whole hunt for the cat or the dog or whatever doesn't make any sense, especially because as I mentioned, these kids are freaking out because they've seen a giant talking cat. <laughs> Alec Baldwin's trying to tell the mom, your kids are you know, being lured down the wrong path by a giant talking cat and he's walking down the street and there are people who stop and they will look at the giant talking cat and then keep walking. <laughs> I don't get it. Rave sequence with Paris Hilton. Like, what was that? Like, can we just do a top three of the top three weirdest moments of this movie and let's put the Paris Hilton cameo in there. Let's put the cat cutting off his tail during the infomercial sequence. But nothing is going to top the birthday party pinata scene where the cat eats the balls with a bat and then immediately cuts to a sequence of himself in a dress wearing a bonnet swinging on a swing to Easy Like Sunday Morning by Lionel Richie. <laughs> then like 10 seconds and then it's over. I don't understand it. There are scenes in the room that make more sense than the Easy Like Sunday Morning sequence. And that's saying something. That is. Um... I don't know if I have anything else to add in this. Yeah, I, I wrote down, I can't believe you whizzed in my taco. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that you, you made sure to mention where Mallory said, I can't wash this and got up to clean the toilet. Um, I mentioned last week, you know, when we saw the Just Dance game uh, in the bargain section of Walmart, um, we, I watched these movies the same day. And... When uh, I was at about, I don't even know what part of the movie it was. I can even find it in my notes here. Um, yeah, so right before the couch gag came up, the couch gag that goes on forever, uh, I wrote in my notes, when can we leave? Because Jamie asked me the question, when can we leave to go to Walmart? We had to go to the store. And I said, now. <laughs> <laughs> and Jamie's like, no, it's okay. You can finish your movie. I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> And then she be it became a thing. It's like, oh well, maybe, uh, maybe I'll do this first. I'm like, no, it's okay, we can go. <laughs> I was trying to get out of watching the movie and begging her to leave. So I noted the point where I was begging her to leave. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then the only other thing I wrote was, what is this crate? Because I know they explained it at some point, but I don't know why it has relevance in the movie. It's just, it's so bizarre. I kind of is it is a. Crate in the book? I mean, it's been a long time since I've read Cat in the Hat, but so, uh, like I remember the things, but and is it is it the second book where he like lifts his hat up and there's like a million little cats? Is that the second book? I don't remember that either. Yeah, <laughs> like, look at me trying to discuss what's in a book. Um, <laughs> I all right, can read. I can read. Um, yeah, as you said, there's like the the things are cops and they're doing shit. Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin, um, steals a cop car. Um, he falls into a pit and they're in a weird world, which is kind of like a Willy Wonka style world. And they decide to ride Mrs. Kwan down a river. Um, then they have like, oh, it's like a ride at an amusement park. And Mike Myers turns to the camera, like at Universal Studios. Ding. Um, ah. yeah, hilarious. Um, then they end up closing the crate. Um, then the whole house collapses. Alec Baldwin is purple. Um, <laughs> is this the one where he's like, he, he tells a lie about his hat? Like, oh, my hat is real, and I planned the whole day, and who's up for a game of Canadian doubles? Uh, <laughs> Can I just point out something that's funny? Yes, please. The first, th- the first third of this movie, your delivery was like, and then this happens, and then this happens, and this part was funny, this part was funny. The second 
act as you described. It was like, ah, and I don't understand what's going on here. And here you're just like, ah, and then there's a Canadian doubles line. Like you're getting progressively more confused in your own recap. Yeah. I'm just trying to read my notes. I think I just got to the point with this movie where like Mallory's cleaning the toilet. Um, and I'm just literally <laughs> just toilet. writing a note every 10 minutes. Like, oh, so this happens. Um, so yeah, he planned the whole day. Which again, is this the plot? Like, he just planned this day, like, he's sent to little shit's houses to make them understand that what they're doing is wrong. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, then we get, they are gonna basically take the blame for the house. Um, they kick the cat out of the house, but then he comes back and makes everything better again. Why didn't he just do this in the first place? Why did he need to get kicked out and then come back? Because um, then nobody learned the important lesson. Everything, like, cleans up the house. Um, I do like the line when he's like, oh, we worked on a, a pop, a temp, up-tempo pop tune for the soundtrack. We did a lot today. Uh, and then they're like, cat, this day has been amazing. Um, has it? <laughs> <laughs> the maid woman, Mrs. Corn, is like the kids were angels. Alec Baldwin comes in, and again, I'm with Team Alec Baldwin here. Like, he's covered in purple, and he's like, there was a giant cat that destroyed the house. And then she just kicks him out. And why? <laughs> and then Sean Hayes shows up, and they have the party, and it's all basically the moral of the story is, as long as you have a clean house, Sean Hayes will be happy. Um, <laughs> there's cupcakes which have shit in them, but let's not tell them what's in them. And then the most weirdest, like, again, a weird part of the movie, after saying at the beginning of the movie, don't go in the living room and jump on the couch, they end by jumping on the couch. Why? Like, why? Because then, another one of the important plot points of this movie that nobody told us is that the mom just needed to learn to lighten up and let the kids be kids. But that's never said in the movie, so why is that the ending? We have the narrator again, which turns out to be Mike Myers, in sort of a nod to the, well, the love guru, I guess, stole it from getting that. And he walks off with the things and dances, and that's the end of this movie. <laughs> How have we done this movie quicker than the Emoji movie? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> because, A, it's a shorter movie. This movie's, like, really short. It's, like, what, an hour, 17 minutes or something? Yeah, something like that. And that's with credits. Um, <laughs> but uh, the second part is nothing here makes sense. Like, I'd love to sit down and dissect this like we dissected how come there's the problem with them getting to the secure app of Dropbox. <laughs> but you just can't make sense. We're scratching your head in our own notes. Like, let's just be done with it. My head hurts. <laughs> it's just uh, this movie's so strange. And, and yeah, just there's a million different endings here and none of them seem to be the point of the movie. Like, he has that little dial, the fun meter or whatever, the, the the dial that had the boy, you know, which was basically like he's a terror, and the girl, which is she's too uptight, and then they both end up right in the middle, which is just right. You're like, okay, so the point of this movie was the boy needs to you know meet in the middle, and the girl needs to meet in the middle. They're both too much extremes, except the movie never goes out of your its way to tell you that that's the point of the movie. And then the whole purpose of the original Cat in the Hat story was this cat comes in, basically messes with these kids. The entire thing is just a practical joke. He destroys their house. He stresses them out in the process. At no point during this movie are these kids stressed out about anything until the very end. And, and then like, he comes oh, in with brilliant. his... It's such a fun day. Like, what? Yeah, they even say, what a great day. And then he has them sign up for, who wants to have a lot of fun? They're like, I do, I do. Whereas in the book, it's like, what are you doing? Stop destroying <laughs> our house. Uh, and the cat... If the point of this movie is the cat is trying to teach these kids a lesson... Doesn't the lesson make more sense if it's not all a mistake? Like, he didn't, he said, yes, I planned this day, but he didn't plan for the kids to suddenly turn on him bipolar and go from being this day is great to you ruined everything, cat. What is the line he even said? Okay, I wrote down what I think the point of this movie is. I'm going to try to wrap my head around it. Um, the message is to learn from the mistakes of screwing up. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> That, I think that's the um the um the movie makers plan. Like that's yeah, that, oh, we screwed that's up. That's why the director hasn't done anything in fifteen years. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't learned from the mistake of screwing up. Yeah. The cat basically tells them uh you needed to screw up and then realize your mistake in screwing up before you could learn from this mistake. Because he he reads this in the contract where he's like, The contract is null and void if you do this. But if you learn from your mistake of screwing up, then the contract is valid again. 
And they could have played that like it was a really funny joke, but instead they're trying to make it actually just like, ah, oh, now I get it. Except everybody watches the movie is like, it, that doesn't make any sense. I still don't get it. As, uh, the, the, the one other thing that I, I got a bit of a laugh out of here, I'll just give some credit, um, is when the cat's going, I did it, I did it, after he rescued them from the cat world where it was just all paint and or icing or purple or whatever it is. And the kids are like, hey, and then he's like, oh, sorry, we did it. And he did it in quotations. Um, there are funny moments. Like, I'm not saying Mike Myers isn't funny. He's funny the right thing. It's just he's more creepy in this movie than anything. Yeah, the the message of the movie is completely lost because there is no message. I don't understand what why we didn't go anywhere with these subplots about Alec Baldwin. You know, the, the mother doesn't suddenly realize, you've been a terrible person all along. Like, yeah, he's not kind – of, there are things that you could have made her break up with him for. Like the fact that he's pretending to be one person be something completely different. Instead, she breaks up with him because he tells the truth on something and she doesn't believe him. Like, what message does that send, kids? Don't tell the truth because you won't be believed. Yeah, you know, if you see something that you know is wrong, tell an adult. And if they don't believe you, (laughs) you're a liar. Nobody's going to believe you. Like, uh, it's just none of it makes sense. This movie, it actually is hurting my head trying to figure out what the point of this movie is. But I did like the narration bit that they ended on where all of a sudden they cut to the cat narrating his own movie. It's just the whole point of this story is that he comes in and screws everything up. And, like The kids, by the second story, were actually like, no, that terrible cat is back. He's a troublemaker, so why are they like, thanks again, cat, waving? No wonder the widow hates Mike Myers. Are we meant to believe that, that like, they go and they've learned their lesson? Like, wouldn't they just be like the next day, like, oh, I'm bored. Let's fuck things up like yeah. the cat did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's cut off our tail, Sally. Remember when that cat did this? Oh, let's do it. What does dirty hoe mean? I'm going to go walk around calling people a dirty hoe. <laughs> yeah. Let's take all the other pictures of mom out of the frames. <laughs> Look at mom. She's attractive. What does that mean? <laughs> um, yeah, have, have you finished? <laughs> finished. All right. Um, again, this movie wasn't well received. Um, it actually made money, though. Uh, did this Has this made the most money out of all the movies we're doing this month? Yeah, well... I mean, when we started this, when we did Pluto Nash, I remember saying, like, the Emoji movie is the only one that made money, and this is one of those perfect examples of a movie gets a bad reputation. Like, I've been saying every single week, people say it's a bomb, but it's not. This movie made a fortune. $101 million this made domestically. Um, $32 million for us, a worldwide gross of $133 million. To put that into perspective, this was the 28th biggest movie of 2003. So below this, oh, this was just below Daredevil, uh, just ahead of Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, which was a rubbish sequel, Cold Mountain, a Natalie Portman movie, I'm sure you love it. Um, it made more money than a movie that I think you really like, The Master, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. Um, and... It, Made more money than Mystic River? Was that not the best picture winner at the Oscars that year? Yeah, well, it was. It should have been. It ended up being Lord of the Rings. But oh. um, what's like the 20... Because unfortunately, you listed a lot of movies that are kind of considered bad, like Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle, and Daredevil. Where does that put in perspective of like 2017 gro- or 2018 grosses? 2000, so what did I say? This was 29? 28. Eight. So that puts it in perspective of Creed 2 from 2018. <laughs> Uh, which came in at 113 million, just ahead of the Equalizer two, and just below Peter Rabbit. Um, but like even the movies below it, like again, as I said, uh, Mystic River, uh, mm. School of Rock, uh, Kill Bill Volume One, only made <laughs> 70 million. Kangaroo Jack made 66 million dollars. Holy shit, you're idiots, people. Um, oh, next year, bad movie month. Lara Croft Tomb Raider: The Cradle of Life. Made less money than this. Love Actually, which has gone on to become this like huge cult favourite, only made $59 million. Um, what else have we got here? Peter Pan was... Oh, that didn't make much. The Jungle Book 2. <laughs> 28, Lost in Translation. A Critical Darling. $44 million that made. Rugrats Go Wild. Uh, <laughs> Stuck on You. I watched that recently. I like that movie. That only made $33 million. Uh, Hollywood Homicide. Johnny English. In 2003, only made $28 million. Uh, so it made over $100 million. Uh, it opened 
at number one. It made more money than Gothica, which was also released that weekend. Uh, also released that weekend was 21 Grams, The Barbarian Invasions, Out of Control, and uh, Acts of Worship. And my favourite one, Blue Gate Crossing, which only made $2,000. Um, so Coming soon. Coming soon, indeed. Uh, in terms of the critical response for this movie... It has a 10% approval rating, so it's 2% better than the Emoji movie. Um, the website consensus reads, Filled with double entendres and potty humour, the cat falls flat. Uh, it has 19 out of 100 on Metacritic. Peter Travers, our best friend, gave the film one star, stating, Cat, another overblown Hollywood raid on Dr. Seuss, has a draw on Mike Myers, who inexplicably plays a cat by mimicking Bert Lair in The Wizard of Oz. Roger Ebert... <laughs> Gave it two out of four, although he praised the production design. I mean, what? Okay, visually, visually, some of this film does look okay. Um, he considered the film to be all effects and stunts and CGI and prosthetics with no room for lightness and joy. Um, <laughs> and where is it here? Ebert also had the same problem with the film that he had with The How the Grinch Stole Christmas in that it, if there is one thing I've learned from these two movies is that we don't want to see Jim Carrey as a Grinch and we don't want to see Mike Myers as a cat. They are talented comedians. Let's see them do their stuff. Don't bury them under a ton of technology. <coughs> um, okay. Um, is there any positive ones? Variety praised it as being attractively designed energetically performed, and above all, blessedly concise. This adaptation of one of the most popular American kids' books walks the safe side of surrealism with its fur-flying shenanigans. The younger the viewers, the better reactions are bound to be, while grown-ups will sit varying states of bemusement. Um, And you mentioned before about Alec Baldwin defending this film. Um, (laughs) It's got here, Baldwin addressed complaints in the film received because of the dissimilarity to the source material. He expressed a belief that the film is an idea about something and that because Dr. Zeus' work was so unique, making a feature-length film out of one of the stories that would entail taking liberties and making broad interpretations. Yeah, no. <laughs> so it There's was... starving kids in Uganda, <laughs> Alec Baldwin. This was nominated for a bunch of Razzies, but sadly, it didn't win any because it was the year of Gili that it came up against. Oh. So it was nominated for Fair. Worst Actor of the Decade for Mike Myers. I guess that kind of <laughs> lumped into it. Uh, worst Actor, Worst Supporting Actor for Alec Baldwin, Worst Supporting Actress for Kelly Preston, Worst Picture, Worst Director for Bo Welch, Worst Screenplay, Worst Screen Couple for Mike Myers and either Thing 1 or Thing 2, Worst Excuse for an Actual Movie, which it won, All Concept, No <laughs> Content, um, what was that up against? It was up against Too Fast, Too Furious, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, From Justin to Kelly, and The Real Cancun. That actually beat those out. And it was also nominated for the worst comedy of our first 25 years, which I believe also just, uh, Pluto Nash was in that one too. We talked about how 2002, we've covered, what, like three of the bad Five, movies now yeah. from there. I, I want to make the argument that 2003 is probably the most infamous year for bad movies ever. Like, we've got The Cat in the Hat, From Justin to Kelly, Jiggly. What was the other ones it was up against? Charlie's Angels Full Throttle and The Real Cancun, when they thought that reality TV would make a good idea to be a movie. Which And was- Kangaroo Jack. Like, 2003 is the year we got to be covering for bad movies. And uh, so, other winners, I'll just say, so Mike Myers lost out to Ben Affleck in Daredevil, Gigli, and Paycheck. <laughs> so he was nominated for three. Worst actress lost out to Jennifer Lopez in Gigli. Worst supporting actor, uh, Alec Baldwin lost out to Sylvester Stallone in Spy Kids 3D Game Over. Um, Kelly Preston lost out to Demi Moore in Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Screen Couple lost out to Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez in Gigli. Um, yeah, there's a lot of Gigli hate in that year. Uh, which I'm surprised we haven't done. Two years of bad movie months. We've not done the king of bad movies. Oh, never yeah. actually seen we have it. to do that one. I think next year. That's a, that's a lock to do that one in it. Yeah. Um, and also, as I mentioned before, the Stinkers Bad Movie Awards, they renamed the category the Spencer Breslin Award for Worst Performance by a Child <laughs> Actor, which Spencer Breslin won. Dakota Fanning didn't. Uh, most Annoying Non-Human Character uh, was one for Cat in the Hat. Uh, and the Worst Screenplay for a Film Grossing More Than $100 Million Worldwide was won by this movie as well. Uh, and there is actually here a proposed sequel. Uh, <laughs> but then it says here, in February 2004, Dr. Zeus's widow, Audrey Geisel, said she would never allow any further live action of her husband works. 
Um, but as of January, God bless you, lady. <laughs> I know we like you, Audrey. Uh, as of January twenty fourth, two thousand and eighteen, Warner Animation Group announced that they have picked up the rights for an animated Cat in the Hat reboot movie. So, um, yeah, there's also a video game based on this. Holy crap. Um, the video game got mixed reviews, so a bit of an improvement. <laughs> Wait, so the video game got better reviews than the movie? <laughs> yeah, and looking here at the cover of the Cat in the Hat um, video game, you get a free movie pass to see the movie. <laughs> um, it's still redeemable. Uh, plot words on IMDb. Cat. Really? Uh, <laughs> is this the number one cat movie? Uh, no, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is... Followed by Venom, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Ralph Breaks the Internet. <laughs> um, there's Dog as well. Animal Urination Month coming soon to the Oz Network. <laughs> featuring Transformers, The Mask, The Cat in the Hat, and Bruce Almighty. So two Jim Carrey <laughs> movies to look at there. I'm down. Um, Asian American Month. Hiding Under a Bed Month. Um, <laughs> Obsessive Compulsive Disorder Month. <laughs> oh god uh, child driving car month <laughs> buttocks month <laughs> wait 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 go to child driving car I need to know where Dante's Peaks is on there oh that's not number one. Oh no I've lost it where is it um, starts with narration month oh I've lost it oh child driving car here we go um, number one is the Sopranos Number two is E.T., The Extraterrestrial. Number three, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Number four, Cat in the Hat. Uh, Dante's Peak, Dante's Peak. Come on, yes. Dante's Peak. What? Where is it? It's not even on this list. Ghost Shark's on this list. Uh, oh, come on. Where is it? It's not on here. Uh, well, we're going to do a month just so we can talk about Dante's Peak and the kids driving the car. Yes. Come on. It's James Bond and Sarah Connor stopping a volcano. What's not to like? Um... Yeah, bidding this movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do we dare say anything? At least finally we're doing a bad movie month where we're binning movies, everyone. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. Uh, uh, do you have anything uh, else to add on this, Colin Hilding? No, I'm just curious. What were the... What was the tally for last year? For Ooh, bad that's movie a good month. Point. We're at 57 minutes, by the way. Um, what did we do last year? Uh, the room we both bought... Um, swept away, <laughs> I rented you bin Rossi binned, and so you did Battlefield Earth with Rossi, you both binned it, Jamie rented it, and <laughs> Gods of Egypt, you and Rossi binned it, so, um, yeah, well, I mean, I rented Pluto Nash, so, <laughs> but... Almost <laughs> out- perfect. Outside of that, we've had four bins, five bins, so, yeah. There you go. And uh, next... we get to the event next week. Look, I, I know nothing of this film except it stopped <laughs> Colin Trevevevereau from doing a Star Wars movie. Sadly, it means he has to do another Jurassic Park movie, but hey, cool. Um, the Book of Henry. Uh, is there a guy called Henry in it, and does he read a book? There, there's a kid named Henry in it. He writes a book. Um, all like, How would you say that? Okay, there's a genre of movies which were very popular in the 90s where it was like, Kids in kind of a dramatic situation. I think probably the last one that was really made like this was like Pay It Forward. Did you ever see Pay It Forward with Haley Joel Osment, Kevin Spacey? Well, of course, Kevin Spacey. Long time ago. Kevin Spacey. You know I'm going to see that movie. Come on. Okay. Well, imagine a movie like Pay It Forward. One of these uh, almost like uh, overly sappy, melodramatic kids movies, inspirational kids movies uh, about a boy genius who just wants to use his intellect to help people and then halfway through the probably not even halfway through the movie it takes a twist which i i can't give it away now because that's the surprise movie this is the one movie people need to watch before they listen to our recap watch the book of henry because the twist that comes up is so ridiculous so absurd and so wrong and the movie just changes completely that all you're going to be doing what once you watch it is thinking now I understand why this guy made a little girl the clone in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> he is just that stupid. <laughs> it, it's You need to see this movie to believe it. This might be one 
closer to the room. It's not as fun as the room, uh, but it's closer to the room than anything we've covered this month. Where it's just, it's just, why, why, why did they do this in the movie? So basically, it's not the book of Henry, it's the TV show of Henry. That's the twist I'm gunning for or something like that. No, no, no. <laughs> this will make you think that the little girl as a clone in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, sorry for the spoilers, uh, was much less absurd than you originally thought once you see the book of Henry. I am, uh, I'm looking forward to, well, am I? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm intrigued. To see this movie, because uh, we, we've gone over Naomi Watts, right? Like, poor thing, she seems to be oh. in some bad movies. I like Naomi Watts, the poor uh, woman's Nicole Kidman, Watts. right? <laughs> yeah, she's better than Nicole Kidman. Oh, that's a big call. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'd agree with that, but she's better than Kate Blanchett, I'll say that. Um <laughs> Anyway, so that's the Book of Henry coming next week. Yay. Um, but this has been the Cat in the Hat. If you're still with us, good for you. Uh, we've just ticked over an hour. Shit. Uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe and all those other bits and pieces. And cool. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Ben, uh, otherwise known as a dirty hoe. Um, and my name is Colin. And number one, create to-do list. Number oh, two, oh. my covering. And, and, and before I forget, before I forget, I don't like saying it's coarse and rough and irritating and gets everywhere. Good night. It gets everywhere. <laughs> and number three, fit in the sand reference. And number four, <laughs> never watch the cat in the hat again. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.